You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. Middle-Age Movie Reviews Podcast, the podcast that reviews a thousand and one movies you should watch before you die. I'm Tim, and podcasting partners with me are... Matt. Joey. Two men with a thousand words to say, apparently. It's our very first episode, and we're kicking off with a film classic. Joe, would you like to tell our audience what they can expect tonight and what movie we're going to introduce to them? Maybe for the first time. Apocalypse Now from the great old year of 1979 when I was born by Francis Ford Coppola. Wait, you were born to Francis Ford Coppola? He's my pappy. No, I was born in 79. I'm 44, and so is this movie. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, before we get into the synopsis, uh, I have to ask you this. When was the first time you saw this film? And I'm going to ask you, Tim, since you are so nice to start the intro. I'm going to have to be honest here. I watched this thinking, oh, I have seen this movie over and over again. And apparently I have, but only about the first half. (laughs) I don't remember the second half hardly at all. I remember the point from the beginning up to like when they're around surfing and stuff. And then I got very confused because I watched the Redux edition, which adds in footage that apparently was never there before, obviously, because it was, a, you know, it's it's a, a re-edit, which confused me. And then I started watching more of them. I'm like, I don't remember this. And I don't remember this. And I don't really like the, none of the river stuff. And then I remember the one little bit of the Marlon Banner part. So I figured that maybe is where I woke up each and every time for the movie, it, it, where he's sitting in with his hand like on his head. And, and then that's it. So. Uh, this was, I think, my first time maybe watching it from beginning to end successfully without falling asleep or, or being bored. And, and I'm going to say probably falling asleep because back in the day when I would have watched it, it probably would have been on the late, late, late movie, which nobody understands what that is anymore. But back in the day when we only had 13 channels and you like you got down to like the last couple that were still broadcast and they would have the late, late, late movie and so on and so forth. And so I'm guessing I probably fell asleep trying to watch this over and over again until I could afford to get a VHS copy of it. And then I don't think I ever did. And I waited till I got DVD, probably never opened it and just watched it finally for the first time now. So there you go. How, how about you, hey, Joey? A, a fresh perspective there. My favorite part was where Tim said he doesn't remember the river. And that's 90% of the movie. It's all river. <laughs> yeah. But if you based think about on a it. river book, it is based on the heart of darkness. Uh, they um, loosely, uh, apparently, uh, Francis Ford Coppola uh, had a teacher who said, you know, nobody's ever or ever nobody ever could make a, a, a movie correctly the right way for that book, uh, Heart of Darkness. And uh, he rose to the challenge. But, um, you know, even people who haven't seen this movie have seen things that are referencing this movie uh, and not just The Simpsons. It's. Um, it, it's something wow. that, you know, I was kind of aware of before I saw the movie because of well, that. I think Again, you get you know, too far into it, though. I think it was really just what was your first time seeing it. Yeah, so, I know. That. Yeah, you're, you're, you're kind of <laughs> taking on with the whole world. thing here. So so let's I, let's I'm rein you in a little bit. It. Let's rein you in a little bit and <laughs> let's wait. turn it and go, Matt, when was the first time you've seen the movie? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, my point is, is that 
I I was aware of the movie and parts of the movie and things about the movie before I ever saw it. Uh, again, it, it came out when I was born. So obviously I wasn't going to see it for quite a while or I would have been more messed up than I am. Um, <laughs> so um, when I did see it, um, I much like Tim, I saw parts of it. It was probably on television. It was heavily edited. Um, in college, I got to go to a 16 millimeter screening, which is not the way to watch a 35 millimeter movie, but it looked better than VHS at the time. And then a few years later, I saw it on DVD and it looked a lot better. <laughs> and, uh, and it, it just keeps looking better. Uh, the last, the latest before watching this, I, I watched it on uh, 4k and, uh, it's, it's amazing. The uh, theatrical cut is just, um, it's, it was too long. They just cut it shorter and shorter and shorter. And it was artsy. And, you know, Copeland says, oh, people aren't ready for this. And then okay. there's Let's rein you in. Redux. Let's rein you in, Joey. Let's let Matt say, when did you see it, Matt? Well, I, I'll, I'll try to keep it as a little more brief. Um, <laughs> so, yes, I, I was aware of the movie. I have seen little bits and pieces of it. But the first time to sit down and watch it from beginning to end was actually for this podcast. Um, originally, I was hoping to only watch the original theatrical cut, but I could not get a copy of the theatrical cut because you can't find it nowadays, apparently. Correct. Um, so I wound up watching the Redux edition, and evidently that is uh, still at the 35 millimeter scope, and it's the like three and a half hour long cut that's yeah. supposed to be the definitive version. And I have got notes about this movie. Yeah. So uh, everybody out there, not only is saving you two hours in this one, possibly maybe three and a half, just so you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't torture yourself like Matt. Uh, so <laughs> I, the, I did the, the theatrical thing. version is 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 very short. the the long the the Redux version is uh, even by Francis Ford Coppola's uh, his opinion is that it, it's too long. Uh, they just put back everything that they could put back that they didn't put in the theatrical version and then the the addition that i i just recently watched that he endorses of course he's going to endorse the latest cut of the movie that they're pimping is uh the final cut it's 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 not hard to watch but it was really really hard to make uh he had uh several um mental breakdowns during the movie and uh martin sheen had a heart attack so um this was uh this was a very big movie. There's always kinds of things happening all around, and it is only ah, three hours long. There is a final cut. I uh, thought there was one more out there, Matt. I was pretty sure of it. Okay. And, and I think what it is is I think when you watch the original one, that's you sitting down and getting to watch a, a, a movie that's more or less meant to be a war movie. I think when you sit down and watch the Redux version, you've now gone to Sundance, and we're watching some artsy-fartsy version of this movie, which is still pretty spectacular in all its visual glory of what they're, he's trying to make this world into. Because, I mean, that's really what it is. It's it, like everything has to symbolize something else. And the insanity of the war, the insanity of the soldiers, the insanity of the people who were there, you know, just the crazy things that went on, you know, or at least that people talk about went on there. I mean, that's what all that visualization is supposed to be. It's, it, you know, it, it goes past the, the simple war story that we first got in the theater. So I, I think depending on what you want to see, if you just want to watch a war movie, you go out and try to find the original copy. If you want to watch a lot more, you know, cinematic, artsy, fartsy stuff, go get Redux or the Final Cut. Probably. Would you guys agree on that? Probably. Yeah, I would. I would agree with that. 
they're not going to get to watch the theatrical cut though. It's um, you'd have to go watch VHS or uh, one of well, the they, earlier uh, DVDs. They exist. Somebody out there's got it. I guarantee. You. <laughs> you know. Not HD. So so no. kids. Tim prefers go. to get a, a Fisher Price. Yeah, uh, you eight millimeter uh, <laughs> shortcut of all films and and watch that. Yeah, it's like the crib notes that you get out the Viewmaster. Go look that up, kids. Viewmaster. Fisher, Fisher Price Viewmaster. Since we kind of gave an idea of what the movie is about, um, should we just go ahead and dive into a little bit of the synopsis to kind of get give our listeners a, a taste of what the movie was about? Um, I think we could do that. But you know what? I, you brought something up earlier, Matt, before we started the podcast, and I think it would be kind of fun. What if each of us just kind of talked about the movie as one of the characters for a minute? Like, take the persona of a character and just do your impression of, of the podcast as that character. I'm Captain Benjamin L. Willard, and I was summoned by the uh, Ifield Force headquarters at uh, Nahang Trang. I was ordered to to terminate uh, Colonel Kurtz's uh, command with extreme prejudice. Now, Colonel Kurtz went AWOL with a bunch of uh, special force officers as well as some Cambodian Indians. And so I have to get on this uh, riverboat, try to find my way to Kurtz, and along the way I, I run into some interesting people and scenarios. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, that, that's, 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 that's the whole movie. That, yeah, it's so that's good. beautiful, that was, man. That's yeah, that was that was yeah. beautiful, man. Like I, it was such an articulate way of like just you know bringing this whole thing together. Like we're just I, he told us you were gonna come and tell us the story, man, and like it's just gonna be like it's gonna be everything and nothing all at the same time, man. It's like it's just like it's gonna blow your mind. That was that was just beautiful. <laughs> Less Hopper is uh better, but <laughs> is better is better. Well, come on, Joey. Less come is, on. Less is more. Uh, I'm not going to try to ape uh, any of the. Um, I love the word ape today. I'm not going to try to impersonate anybody in this movie. Uh, I I couldn't do him justice. I'd have to practice it forever. I did lie to you all earlier. Uh, the full disclosure edition on Blu-ray actually has all three cuts of the film. There we but, go. See, um, I knew it was out there. It had mm-hmm. to be. Yeah. So it, you can watch all three cuts in high definition. Um, but uh, currently, the ones that are in mass circulation right now uh, is the 4K, which has uh, just the uh, the Redux and the uh, the final cut. Nice. All right. Well, now that we've thoroughly embarrassed Matt and Joey refuses to be thoroughly embarrassed, we can we can move on now, Matt. Thank you. Very well done. I, I embarrass Hello. myself every day. <laughs> I'll give you a little applause here, Matt. Thank you. That was a great performance. All right. Thank you. Thank you. So impressions of the movie. Um, so I, I just got to say right off the bat, watching this movie, um, did anyone else notice how much Martin Sheen looks a lot like that actor Emilio Estevez? Oh, I'm, it was driving me crazy, man. Oh, yeah. It's like every time I've seen him, I'm like, oh, Amelia is really doing well in this. And then you hear Martin's voice come out. And you're like, what the? Yeah. <laughs> it was throwing me off completely. I was, uh, I think I was a teenager when I found out that Emilio Estevez took on his dad's real name, not his stage name. And that, that's his pops. Uh, and I lied to you guys again. The 4K does, does have the 1979 <laughs> theatrical version, which is only two hours and 27 minutes, the shortest version. So yeah. you're looking at 227, 316 for, for the uh, Apocalypse Now Redux, and then only 301 for the final cut. So it, you're basically adding half, 45 minutes, and the other one's a half an hour longer. So, yeah. There you go. We'll go with final cut. 
well, we'll get to that at the end. I think we'll 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 make our call and what we think. So, yeah. But I I, I don't you know the the thing I found interesting, going back to what Joey started kind of talking about, you know how difficult this film was to make and and was it. So when you were talking, you were saying people having breakdowns. Now, were you talking about Martin Sheen? Because I know Martin Sheen had a breakdown during this, as well as a heart attack. Because that scene you see at the beginning, he got completely plastered for that. He was, like, dangerously drunk and literally having a breakdown yeah. in front of us. Like, that. that's how you get the Academy Award, everybody. Drink yourself they got silly him drunk. and then, like, start to have serious emotional problems while you're <laughs> on set. And then he yeah. literally punched that mirror for real cut his hand up and bled all over the sheets and stuff and just kept going and let him. So he still says he's got the scar from that mirror on his hand to this day. Like you can see it. So, Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. He, he kept going uh, before Leo, but he did have a uh, uh, liquid persuasion, uh, <laughs> which was a terrible thing at yeah. the time. Uh, I mean, I don't know if that added to the, uh, the movies, you know, schedule going long. It was supposed to be shot out in about 16 weeks and it took about 16 months. Right. Well, I and think that was because of was the production problems. Double. That was production problems. Well, the, plus him having a heart attack, like stop, I think production for a month more or less too. Probably. And, yeah. You know, um, so but we're but, talking about a budget that didn't get just exceeded. It was uh, more than double at the oh, end. Yeah. Well, so, um, and he wasn't their first choice for, for uh, Willard. Who was I, the first choice? I don't remember who it was, but he was not, a, he was a last minute <laughs> replacement. So, do you remember well, who he, it was? Uh, I don't know. You know, he did a he did a great job, you know, portraying that character because I mean, that first 5 minutes like you mentioned, it it definitely shows like a main character's fall in in in, in, in true mentality. Uh, I don't know when they shot that, if it shot the, the very beginning of the film or if, you know, this was like week 16 and they after they did all the hard stuff. But yeah, it was it was definitely you know, this guy has seen some some serious. Beep. Yeah, yeah. It was Steve McQueen, by the way. That was their first choice. So no. Steve McQueen was supposed to be Willard in the beginning. So, but but outside of, I think of, he would have been too old. No, that he was their choice. But in seventy nine. Yeah, but I, Coppola didn't want to. He didn't want to. Like he wanted a lot of money to do it, and I think that's why they were like, forget it, and he dropped out. Yeah. Uh, you know, the other thing I think is just I, I love the beginning. I love the, the powerful imagery of the helicopters and the jungles burning and stuff and, and adding in like who else are you going to put in a, a, a timepiece for the 60s? But the doors, I mean, it's just it, it's just perfect for this film. Plus, it's probably one of the darkest songs the doors does. So it's just between that song playing and just the craziness that you're you're introduced to at the beginning of the show, I thought was fantastic, you know. And it just and it goes from like crazy like that to kind of like a scene that seems normal and goes a little crazy because, you know, Martin Sheen goes off the you know, goes off the reservation for a while with the Willard character, you know, when he's in that hotel room. And then you got like the helicopter scene that comes later when they're surfing and stuff. It's just like it's just, it's just a lull. It's it's a lull between insanity as this film goes on is kind of how I view it. Spectacular imagery throughout. Not only just the music, but just the the appearance of sound in the movie. I mean, uh -huh. talk about those moments where, like in the in the Redux, the first thing you hear is the helicopter blades moving slowly, uh -huh. and then you go from the black screen to like this tropical area, and then all of a sudden you see the the helicopter blades, and it's just, and then it, it dissolves from that to um, the the fan in in Willard's hotel room as it's just kind of clicking it's just the, the, the use of sound and visualization and and everything just kind of like all kind of ties together to kind of give you that feel that you're you're right there 
in yeah. the in this movie. Yeah, visually it pulls uh, you in immediately. I feel like RV Keitel was going to play Willard. <laughs> Fact check. Uh, they they thought he was too urban. And I'm going to have to say, uh, yeah, he would have been great in the movie, as was all the other little cameos. But I don't think he I don't think he could have done the lead role uh, this at least the same way. That that was really interesting. All the cameos. I mean, you've got um, Harrison Ford is which in I, it, which I thought was kind um, of a waste. I felt like you took the rogue Han Solo fresh off Star Wars and stuff, and they made him real meek in this movie. Like, it's almost like it, 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 that wasn't Harrison out there, which, you know, I don't know. I just. I felt like it was they could have just put anybody in there. It was a waste of his time to even show up for it. Well, I I don't know. I, I think I think he just brought an acting ability to it. I mean, yeah, it wasn't the role wasn't something that you would see like a swashbuckler play. He was able to fit into that role to make it feel like a secretary or a you know he had the look. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess he did. You're right. I mean, he, he pulled that off, but I just felt like with all the other characters that we know he's played before that and then since after, it it just why like what other than i guess maybe he's like i'm gonna be in a corporate uh, you know coppola movie so you know maybe that was what it was or it was a favorite <laughs> that was somebody, definitely but, it you know i think it was an honor just to be in it because you got to think coppola has already done godfather one and two yeah and um at that time lucas coppola spielberg were like the it guys uh and they were all friends so i'm sure it was just uh any role in that movie knowing that they were going to have this big budget and, and they, they had all these, you know, big ambitions to make this, you know, award-winning movie and, and one, he's going to take the small part. Uh, the, the other thing I, I forgot, Arlie Ermey is in this. Um, yeah, he's, he's uh, the helicopter pilot and he, he basically just has radio chatter. He doesn't have any like character dialogue. He's just doing army, army things. I saw him in the one scene. I'm like, I had, had to do a double take cause I heard his voice. It was a Twice. very soft or subtle thing. And then I had to like go back and, and watch that scene again. But yeah, the one that throws was... me off the, the most though is Robert Duvall playing that crazy surfing, you know, <laughs> Lieutenant, like I, I like, I, I, you just you look at him like that does not look like him. It does not sound like him. It was just like such a crazy role from the Robert Duvall that we know from years later. It was like, wow. I mean, it just like, like almost a whole different actor. I don't know what it was like for you guys, but it just threw me off. Even once I realized that's who it was, it still didn't register. It was just like I could could put it together in my mind. He's always been balding, but uh, we do really think of him as an old man. Um, uh, Duval really nailed it. Um, I, I really enjoyed, uh, watching Martin Sheen, uh, steal his surfboard. Yeah. That yeah, uh, was a great scene. And, and then yeah, flying and around then, be like, just please return the board. I will not do anything. I just really like that board. <laughs> yeah. It's such a waste of resources. And, uh, I, I've seen that, uh, as an adult, uh, people continue to waste resources. And so that's not really that far fetched. Talking about Robert Duval and his character, Kilgore, I gotta say, that guy was really screwed in the head. I mean, here's a guy who's supposed to be in charge of an entire unit of, of helicopters, and he's he's changing plans, or he's willing to help out Willard 180 from what he was originally going to do because Willard had like a king surfer on his on his boat. Oh, yeah, like, he wanted his boys to surf Lance. with a semi-pro. Yeah, Lance yeah, on there. Yeah, Lance. Yeah, so. just because of Lance. And so that's that's like, okay, so this entire movie could not have happened if a surfer was not on the boat. <laughs> Pretty much, you're right on that one. And interesting enough, too, if you think about it, for a war movie, especially when we watch the Redux three-hour-plus version, that is really the only scene of actual war that you see. 
because half the brilliance of this movie is that anytime you see something going on, it's in the dark. Every time they're going down that river and they're like, something's happening, it's always explosions and stuff going off. You'll see a couple guys like come down to the river or whatever, but you don't ever see anybody. I mean, there's never any actual real warfare between the Americans and the Vietnamese, except for in that surfing board scene when he's like, we got to clear out this, this entire area so that we can surf these waves because it's got that perfect break on the left and right, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, I, I kind of realized at the end, I'm like, this is a war movie with virtually no war in it, you know, for, I mean, real like visual war anyway. So I yeah, thought that it, was kind of brilliant. It, yeah, it wasn't, it didn't have the, the, the scope that you would see in like, um, Saving Private Ryan or, you know, that TV series <sighs> Band of Brothers. Yeah, um, and, which took it to a whole new level. Yeah, different wars, uh, different landscapes. Not right. a world war, <laughs> but I mean, but jungle war. Even if we go to some so of the other ones, in like the jungle. Hacksaw Ridge and stuff, you're getting war scenes. I mean, you know, you're getting uh, Platoon, Hacksaw Ridge, all these other Vietnam movies that are out there. You're getting the sense of the war, where here you're just you're 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 sensing it in the sense that I can see the explosions, I see the smoke, I hear the screams, I hear random gunfire, but I'm really not seeing anything because it's always in the dark or it's always off in the distance. I think the only other scene you could even count as a war scene is when they're getting pelted with the arrows. That might be the only other thing that even comes close to a secondary war scene in this, but you know. The one scene where Mr. Clean gets killed because they're going up the river, you see all those tracers coming out of the out of the um the jungle. I could see how cinematically it was super easy to shoot. That definitely also gave you the feel of what what war is like and what these guys ended up going through, you know? You had to get fired out with Roman candles? <laughs> I think that's what that was. I actually watched this with my wife, and she's like, well, I think they're actually shooting at that, that, that boat. I said, I think they're firing off Roman candles at them. <laughs> Could have been. But, but I agree I with you, I... Matt. It gives the tracer feel, like the tracer's coming at you and yeah. stuff. And, you know, it, it was kind of clever how he did it. Cause, I mean, there was going back to, like, the... The, the overall battle it, it was clever how he was able to use maybe whatever limited resources um coppola had because there was a lot of like quick cuts and wide angles and a lot of like large establishing shots but then when it came to like the actual you know physical combat stuff you didn't see a whole lot of grunt on grunt i mean it was like you know they were firing stuff from the helicopters they were shooting you know from the boats but you never actually seen anyone like kind of get up close and personal to, to kill somebody there was like a lot of these like quick cuts to make the battlefield larger than what what was probably going on at the time actually the closest i think he got to that was when he's in that trench and they got that vietnamese guy who's taunting them and then oh, right. one guy walks up and he's like he's close he's like do you need a flare he's like nope and he puts that grenade in that grenade launcher and he just listens and listens and it's like poof that's it. Like you don't hear nothing from that guy again. That was about as personal as it got, but it still it made it feel very personal, even though you never seen that guy and they weren't physically fighting each other hand to hand or close quarters. Like, but it's like, wow, that's just some crazy stuff right there. Yeah, and there's I mean, two the instances of so... close up violence: the murder of the woman on the boat, uh, which is, ends uh, up yeah. as an accidental yeah. killing, and then it turns into uh, an execution of convenience. Which is a and super then, defining moment, too, in the movie where yeah. like, Charlie Sheen's character goes from being like, these guys are kind of cool with him to like, oh, wow, this guy's like hardcore serious. And now we're kind of scared where we're going with this guy. I mean, it was a it was a definitive pivot of his character. And even he even says it like that, you know, they don't even like let you figure that out yourself. He's just like, those boys will never look at me the same again. You know, it was just like, but, you know, and he almost heard him saying, but they brought it on themselves. It was just like that kind of moment. Yeah, I don't think he took any joy in it. It was just a, a matter of, you know, I mean, his report response to them was, I told you not to 
you know, pull over and talk to these people. I told you to keep going. Yeah. Because they had to keep going. They couldn't take her to a medic because they screwed up and all they got out of it was a puppy who, who later falls off the boat off screen. They, you never find out. We, we think the puppy swam, swam to shore. You never see the puppy die. But uh, Surfer Boy loses his puppy. You know, I want to see a four and a half hour cut of what happened to the puppy. <laughs> it's, it's a dog life in Vietnam. Exactly. Jungle puppy's adventure. <laughs> Just a muddy puppy with a with a dream it, and it sounds like a Hallmark movie. Treats. I think there's a Hallmark movie that covers that somewhere. And and the voice of the puppy has to be played by Josh Gad. Yeah, Star Lord should be the voice of the puppy. <laughs> well, Josh Gad's the guy that does Frozen and he did all those uh he did those two movies, uh, A Dog's Purpose. You're right. He would be a better he would be a better voice, but that's what they all keep saying about uh, Star Lord. <laughs> I think if you want to keep with the theme of the insanity, it should be Danny DeVito as the voice of the puppy. Oh, there you go. go. <laughs> Can you imagine Danny DeVito voice and thing like a Louis De Palma dog? <laughs> <laughs> Get me off this boat. <laughs> Have an alternate ending where Brando just adopts the puppy and decides that he's had enough killing and. <laughs> Just wants to cuddle puppies and go home. That's <laughs> uh, yeah, a better. That's a better ending. We, we I mean, made, it's one my wife would watch. Yeah, we made it so yeah, all our wise girlfriends watch it now. What are you watching, honey? Apocalypse Bow Wow. Yeah. You guys mentioned cameos earlier, and I, I gotta say, one of the things that kind of like surprised me was seeing a young Lawrence Fishburne, or credited, Yeah, or credited a Larry Fishburne. Um. It's hard to believe that he was ever that young. Yeah, I know. It just it, that that is not that is not the Morpheus we know. <laughs> you know, like you look at, he's just like, there's no way. You know, it just it was. It, it, what a horrible way for that dude to go out too. Like just that tape just kept playing. And you're like, my God, turn it off. Just turn it off. It's so horrible. Yeah, his death just kind of delves more into the whole feeling of of what the Vietnam War was like for someone you know the, the way that it just kind of like warps somebody's personality and, and mind seeing all this death i mean one minute you're talking to your buddy you look over and he's and he's just gone and what well, that tape's just sitting there still playing it's just it's it's hard well not only that but it's it's not i mean this is the first war where you've got guys that are using some heavy drugs I mean, you didn't have that during World War II other than maybe the guy got hooked on morphine. It was, you know, I mean, there were guys that drank themselves pretty heavy and stuff. But, I mean, now you got guys who are like, like the, the, you know, like the surfer guy. Like, hey, I just dropped that last, you know, lid of acid or whatever. So, you know, you got them doing that. They're smoking dope and all kinds of stuff. So they are heavily medicating themselves to turning this into even a, a, a better and worse place all at the same time for themselves. Because they are just detaching themselves from reality and making the reality so much more probably like unreal and real at the same time depending on what drug of choice they're on that day so yeah it, which lends to a lot of the visuals of this this movie is i think they're trying to you know some of the craziness that you're seeing i, I you know I, let's face it a lot of this didn't really happen this way in the war i mean it, this is this is not realistic in the way the war was fought or the way you know things really happened but to some degree, it probably was some people's war just because they were so heavily medicated that this is how they thought it went, you know? So, yeah. and I think visually it depicted that very well. The just the over the top insanity of how this was perceived and, you know, by many through the, through the lens of a, a drug user to some degree. Larry was 
16 playing a 17-year-old in that movie. Dang. That's why he had all the zits on his face. <laughs> Which I thought that was odd, too. He was like, hey, I'm 17. I'm like, can you even be drafted at 17 and in the military? I thought you had to be 18 That's at least before question. you could be in there. I thought that was a bit odd, but again, maybe the the you know the, it's different today than it was then. But I thought you had to be at least 18. I, I'm, uh, maybe your parents could sign off on it, but I thought you could enlist when you're 17. 17. Yeah. Mm. All right. Here's uh, a fact. Uh, it says a uh, 12 soldiers on the Vietnam Memorial Wall were 17 years old and five soldiers were 16 years old. Wow. So I don't know if they lied about their age or what, but uh, obviously he has nothing to lie about on the boat at that point. So he just told them his actual age. He was 17. So uh, that uh, I think they were implying that uh, it's, it looks like volunteers were allowed to enlist at early age, as early as age 17 with parental consent. So he either lied about his age or mama signed those papers. Well, and I guess, I mean, when you listen to the to the letter from the mother they she does imply that they are extremely poor so maybe he did it just so that like he would have a chance of maybe getting an education and some cash in his pocket you know right, i mean yeah three squares yep. breakfast lunch and dinner yeah yeah but yeah i just but getting back to just the fact that that's still lawrence fishborn yeah again unrecognizable much like you know robert duval just you, you you see him, you're looking at him, but you just can't connect the face with the name. Almost, yeah. it's just impossible. Larry really wouldn't rise to fame until, of course, Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> it was he was cowboy, Wait, cowboy Curtis, cowboy Curtis. There you go. Uh, Since we're talking about Larry and his death, he got buried um, near this like French plantation. Talking to Tim before this, we were talking about like the French dinner scene and i think that was only available in the redux and maybe the final cut do you know uh joey if that was actually in the the theatrical version i can almost guarantee it wasn't in the theatrical cut because they, they cut so much i can't really say if it was in the final cut because i only got about halfway through it before i had to jump on here and i haven't seen it in a long time and i think the last time i did watch it was the the redux but uh, obviously a dinner scene is not going to be um the most memorable uh he did have a rendezvous with a lady so I don't know if that was part of that or not, because I, as you guys heard, I was watching it on fast forward with the volume we turned right. all the way up. Oh, we kind of, we were right. He was watching it fast forward, busted. <laughs> Only after the first hour and a half, when I realized it was another hour and a half to go, and I had about 20 minutes, plus I needed to set up my microphone. Welcome to 20 Minute Movies. We'll be your host. <laughs> you know, I, I can see why they cut that, because... I mean, it's just, it's, it was such a long slog of a scene. And I, I realized that it was, it was definitely doing something that Coppola is kind of got a, a trope for doing. And that's juxtaposing dialogue with a dinner conversation, because I believe he's done it in all three Godfather films and, he, and here he's doing it again, but it's with a bunch of French. The expatriate angry Frenchman. Yeah. It, to me, it served no purpose. It was boring and I had such a hard time understanding them that I had to put on closed captions. Now, I don't know if that's just because I'm old, but I had a hard time hearing them. And then the worst part was, is the captions were actually two lines ahead of their actual dialogue. So I'm reading it and trying to like understand what they're saying with them saying the lines after the fact. So it was very hard for me to keep track of it all, but I don't know about you, but I definitely, that should have just stayed on the editing floor forever. Well, you got to remember he's, he's, He's not making a Vietnam movie per se. He's he's making a, a movie based on the Heart of Darkness, which is a trip, you know, a riverboat trip 
it, like a lot of stories, you, it's about the people you meet along the way. And so they were, they were going to have stops and they were going to have little mini adventures before they get to their destination. I got to say though, it was a little surprising that what we don't, we don't get to meet uh, Dennis Hopper until Gosh, I, I want to say the last 30 minutes. I know. And you're waiting for it, too. You're like, when's Dennis Hopper showing up? It's like, I could have missed him. It's impossible to yeah. miss this guy. And he's nowhere to be found. I was, yeah, I agree with you. He's he's our he's our concierge to ho- Hotel Crazy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Can you get a more fitting one? I mean, come on. I mean, Dennis Hopper, perfect fix for that. I mean, was, he, was he's Dennis Hopper crazy? 60s. Was he crazy in this movie? Because of this movie? Before the movie? No. I mean, I think he's just that he's like the Steven Tyler of the movie world. Like he's just he's a he's a force all into himself. He's as Joey has said about many people, he's that crazy uncle you wish you had in your family because he's so weird and interesting. You just enjoy to sit at the family events to see what's going to come out of his mouth. <laughs> you guys had said he is definitely the concierge to the, to the hotel of crazy because there's that scene where he just starts talking to, to Willard when when Brando's reading poetry and then Brando just looks over and like throws a book at him. Which was awesome. <laughs> yeah, he really does treat him like uh, like a pet in that like you're not sure why he keeps him around. And, you know, when he gets out of line, he just, you know, he throws something at him. So th- there's not a it's not a beloved pet. No, no. But he's definitely not no. being treated as an equal. I, I think the thing about Dennis Hopper is that Dennis Hopper is not an act. He's the guy that you write a role specifically on. You know who'd be perfect in this Dennis Hopper, and you just write to him. Like it's just it's already given that he's the one you want for this role because he plays the same guy in every movie, no matter what he does. He's just that. <laughs> Even same in Super character. Mario Brothers, I, I think that's why they hired him. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, think I of- think he was doing his impersonation of Brando. That was his, you know, classier version of the Kurtz. Yeah, I mean, Waterworld, same thing there. You know, I mean, just yeah, just. <laughs> <laughs> I, my favorite villain hopper villain is is definitely in speed um but uh yeah in this one he's he's playing uh second fiddle second string to uh to brando and i don't think he's embarrassed about that at all i think he's just glad to be there oh yeah well i mean um, it's brando Come i don't on. know how glad yeah i don't know how glad to be there brando was but uh it it, it made it more interesting like you don't even see you see the cow R.I.P. Cow. Um, and do when, you know um, that's a real cow they slaughtered on camera? Was it? Uh, it definitely looked real. No, it uh, is real. It, it was, so that yeah. tribe was going to slaughter that cow, and Coppola's like, I'm just going to film it. So that is them literally killing a cow on camera. Tell me how yeah. you could get away with that in this day and age anymore. Like, you, you couldn't. Even in Vietnam, they'd be like, people lose their freaking mind. I'm sure they would have been much more humane if the camera wasn't rolling, but his defense is that they were going to kill it anyways, which I'm sure they were. If you want to go back and look at the credits and see if it says anything about, you know, where animals were treated humanely in the in the movie. Not on that one. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. There's not a whole lot of movies where they, they really kill animals. Well, and that's, that's, yeah, rightfully that's so. probably one of the last yeah. ones. Yeah. yeah. The, the last decade of movies. Um, in the late seventies, early eighties, where, where that, that would have even happened. I just remember looking at that and I'm like, my God, that looks like an actual cow. Like, I, I don't know how they got it to look that realistic. My wife's like, I just looked it up. They're actually killing that cow. I'm like, Oh my God, that's so sad. Like you see the eyes of that cow when it yeah. drops down. I'm just like, this is, it's already a dark movie. Like, why did they have to kill the cow on camera? Like, this is so sad. Yeah. You know, 
Could have been, could have been worse. It could have been the puppy. No, this is true. This is true. Man, Joe, way to make you feel no. dark. I mean, you're not going to go to McDonald's and order a puppy, are you? <laughs> no. no, this is true. I guess I don't feel so bad when I'm ordering it on a bun. <laughs> but if I got a live puppy from the drive-thru, I wouldn't refuse it. <laughs> but, but in Vietnam... I'd be like, oh, wow, what a great promotion. <laughs> they are really desperate. They're giving away puppies. They got to be from a puppy mill. Well, they they got to be. But in Vietnam, your your burger could be a puppy. So That's right. Yeah, instead of uh, 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 the uh, his I don't know improv camouflage. Yeah, uh, I mean, how about uh, how about Willard wearing uh, Ronald McDonald makeup as camo? <laughs> and, and really, when you think about it, uh, they had uh, Martin Sheen uh, was uh, way ahead of his time than uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Predator. Yeah, but uh, all these jungle scenes did uh, did make me want to pop in Predator. It's uh, as much as and much like Predator, all but two of the main characters. <laughs> they only two make it out, but uh, I Predator's more fun. That that's what this movie missed. Aliens. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think ah. they, I think they had an alien. They had an alien from Krypton. His name was Ka- uh, Zora uh, Jor-El, and uh, he. Oh wow, Jor-El. Uh, Jor-El did not take uh, his home planet blowing up very well. Did no, he, he did not. <laughs> Um, he tend, he liked to, he liked to stay in the dark. He he liked to read poetry. Uh, I think I think um, Kurtz was a uh, was an emo goth beatnik. Okay, yeah. So the so the the machete was made out of kryptonite. Yeah, yeah. That tracked. That would kill Jor-El. Yeah, we need to do that cut. Well, it was Predator. Forget the, forget the I mean, Donner cut. He, I mean, if you think about it, Kurtz's character is beheading a lot of people. He's got a lot of trophies. Like on the way up to the staircase, there is a lot of decorations. With people's heads, he's just unlike the predator. He just doesn't clean them off. He's just like you know they'll clean up, they'll clean themselves over time. So there was there was some predator action going on there. Am, am I wrong that like he just kind of surrendered to the fact that they're just going to send another? I think he was, and that's why he just he just let it happen. I, I think I, he's done. I agree with Tim. I think I think Kurtz was just he realized that he was done. He was tired of the killing. He had seen all this death. He he, he had seen the heart of the darkness in man. See what I did there? Yeah, um, nice. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah. Thank for thank you for hitting me over the head with that hammer. <laughs> and so, yeah, he just he, he just he had enough, and he knew yeah. that it was it was just time. But now, did you sit there and wonder, like, is Willard taking his place? No, because I, I mean, he walks out with Lance. I, I got a feeling. Yeah. No, 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 no. The, not, the followers really were going to no, not, like they were bowing down to him. Not when end. he walks out before he gets to the lands part. When he just walks out and he's shadowed in that doorway, holding that machete. You're like, I think he's got that moment where he's like, I could be the. I, I could run I, this place. I could be the one. It, it, it has that moment like it reminded me of uh, the Chronicles of Riddick. It's like you know you you keep what you kill, and he's like, this could be all mine. Like I could be the next one. Like these could be my people. I, because he was. He was on the verge of snapping, you know what I mean? So, like, I, yeah. I think I think he had that one second where he's like, I could be king. <laughs> Just for gotcha. a minute, you know, but... Yeah, they weren't completely different characters, and I, I think that, that uh, his... I think Willard knew he was crazy, and he accepted it, and uh, he just wanted another mission, and they gave it to him. But uh, he made it out to the other end, and as he said in the beginning... Uh, when he was home, he wished he was back in the jungle. When he's at the jungle, he wishes he was home. So he's he's never going to be happy. No. And but, I don't think he he had any illusion that you know somebody's going to send someone after him. So, uh, uh, w- 
but I, I don't disagree with you, Tim, but I think I think if he had a moment there, it was very fleeting. Oh, yeah, I think it was just a second. But but I mean, but when you send somebody like Willard into a situation like this, you know what kind of soldier you're sending. It's much like the gross point blank when he's like, the government trained me because they realized I lacked a little bit of moral fiber and I had no problem doing these things. That's those kind of guys that do those kind of missions. They're guys that just, they don't, they don't have empathy. They don't, you know, I mean, and there's individuals like that. I, I'm, I'm going to guess in the military, those are the guys that get that. They're, they're the guys that get stuff done that nobody else can consciously do. You know what I mean? Like they mm-hmm. just, you want this done. This is the guy you sent. And they know they're they know they're just seconds away from like coming completely unhinged, but they're gonna they're gonna use that until it's it until it becomes Kurtz, and then they have to eliminate because well, because that's who Kurtz was, you know what I mean? Like Kurtz was the, that military yeah. machine, and they built him up, and then they finally broke their toy, and they're like, okay, and they were gonna do it once before, but they're like, oh, the news got a hold of it, and they pinned a medal on his on his chest and, and made him a you know what was a, a a colonel or whatever, you know, and then. And then he went completely off the rails and was like, we can't ignore this anymore. Our toy's completely broke, so we have to we have to eliminate it, you know? So, And I, I think that happens more than we would probably ever know. Well, I, I'm not going to speculate on reality, but uh, I, I'll say that, like, they, they had to take him, you know, MPs had to throw him in the shower just to go to a meeting. Um, he was expendable. I, I think that they 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 sent Kurtz because, uh, or excuse me, Willard. Willard. They sent Willard. They Sent Martin Sheen because he he had assassinated someone before. They don't care if he comes back. Right. They they're not going to make him a career soldier like they were grooming um, Kurtz. Uh, Kurtz. Yeah. Uh, they're you know if he failed they would just send another. So it it did really didn't matter if he came back. I don't I don't think they thought that highly of him. I think they thought that he just he could just get the job done. They didn't give a shit of what he did oh, after yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. He's they're all expendable, but. But he just he had the right mentality for the job. He was the right man for the for the job. I mean, that's really what it was. So because when he's sitting in that trailer, one of the things that general asked him is like, are you OK to go on this mission? And he's like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, because he asked him about his hand. He knows that he didn't hurt his hand mm. fishing. He's like, oh, you know, I, I see you, you hurt your hand. Oh, yeah, I heard it fishing. He goes, oh, fishing. Well, you're fit. You're fit to go on this mission. Right. And he's like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but if you think about it, the whole time he's in that, you know, sitting at that table he's sweating buckets. And I mean, don't get me wrong, it's hot in Vietnam overall, but the rest of those guys in the room weren't sweating it out like he was. Now, granted, part of it was he's sweating out a hangover, but he's got a, you know, he's sweating out a hangover. You can tell he's a little, he's he's a little tickish, you know, he's 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 a little just off center. And, and, you know, and yeah, he's just, he's that kind of guy. They're like, you know, you're going to be okay? You think you can do this? Okay, then we're going to send you kind of thing, you know? Yeah, I, I, overall though, I mean, you know, we're are, are we ready to make a synopsis matter? You still got another question you want to throw out for us? Uh, no, I think I think that's that's pretty much the movie. I mean, we, yeah. we kind of covered quite a bit of it. Yeah, um, I think so too. Probably almost more than we need to. We which is part right. of the whole thing, you know. We're, we're here to watch the movie, so you don't have to. Yeah. So, but if um, you want explicit you know, cow. Yeah. So I I, yeah. I think Matt and I were talking earlier. I I think the way that we should present these is. Is it worth taking time off your death clock? You know, so like, you know, for me, definitely worth it. It's worth sitting down and watching, taking that couple hours off the death clock and wasting your time watching this movie, except maybe don't watch the Redux version. And if you can't find anything but it, just fast forward through the French part because it's just <laughs> boring and horrible. But, you know, other than that, I, I, I definitely think it's, it's worth your time to watch it. It's, it's a classic film. It, it, it brings you 
into the feeling of an era that we'll never experience quite like that again. Brings us into a war that was very messed up compared to the previous wars like Korea, World War One, World War Two. You know, it, it definitely brings out the insanity of it. It is a very artsy fartsy. It's not like don't take this as gospel of how the Vietnam War went, but it's it's beautifully choreographed, beautifully filmed. The characters are interesting and and, and have a lot of depth to them, and it's a good story. So I would say it is worth your time to lose a couple hours off the old death clock. Matt, what do you think? You know, I I have to agree. Uh, it's definitely worth it. Um, if you can find that that Blu-ray copy where you watch the theatrical version, I would say watch that more than the Redux. Um, just for the main fact that, again, there's a lot of long, slow parts in it, but for the most part, it, it definitely is a portrait of, of what, um, what it takes to break humanity, break down someone who's in a position where they have to go in and, and fight in a, in a war that's, that's bloody and horrible. Visually, audio-wise, this movie is just, it, it puts you in, in there. It has everything in it that that you would think as a as an art film, as well as some action sequences that were were really really interesting and really thought provoking. So yes, definitely a definite watch. Take some time off your death clock. How about you, Joey? Uh, it's it's worth three hours. It's not worth three and a half. And I don't think you should cut yourself short and watch the theatrical cut, which uh, everyone agrees cut out too much. Uh, I think you should split the difference and find, quote-unquote, the final cut, which is available on 4K, and um, watch that one. Uh, the, you know, if, you're, if you like it, uh, watch the Redux. If you can't get enough, watch what they cut out, you know, while you're doing your laundry real quick one day and watch the theatrical <laughs> cut. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I would rather, I would, su- I would suggest this over other three-hour movies uh, compared to Lord of the Rings. You don't need to watch the extended cut. <laughs> but no, uh, no. that's an argument for another day yeah, sir we'll come you, back around to that one but I, I there you go i think that's the conclusion so we have three thumbs up to take those couple of hours off your death clock it's worth watching so there we go we are a thousand and one movies we are one down a thousand more to go and hopefully we can get through them all before our death clock gets to the end spoiler alert we are not going to get through them all <laughs> unless we do it the joey way and we just fast forward through a lot of it <laughs> All right, I got a question. Oh, go ahead, Joey. What are you guys watching right now that you recommend? I'm watching The Curse. I'm, I'm five episodes in. It's on Paramount Plus. Thanks, Tim. And um, a, a co-worker's wife watched the first episode and made him shut it off. Oh, wow. That's my suggestion. The Curse, you'll never look at cherry tomatoes the same way again. All right. If I'm going to have two recommendations, they're not going to be movies right now. But my two re- series recommendations would be silo on apple tv excellent show so far i'm about halfway through thoroughly enjoying it and you're welcome my second recommendation thank you joey my second recommendation (laughs) and this is this is going to be you know you're you're gonna have to watch i think 21 years of other tv to enjoy this but will be the new fraser reboot i actually really enjoy it it you know if you're if you're any fan of cheers or fraser you should love this new series. It has the same feel as the old one. The writing is excellent. It's not it's not preachy in any way, shape, or form. It's just well written fun comedy. And I enjoy it thoroughly. So Matt, where can they send their hate mail? <laughs> 
What do you guys got against Frazier? Like, I, you know, I mean, it's everybody else. I, you're you're the only positive review I've heard. I, I'm just being honest. I, I, you know what? Um, I think you have to be a Frazier fan, though, because I think, you know, and, and you can't expect it to be the old Frazier. That's the thing. I mean, I know some people have problems with Kelsey Grammer from a political standpoint, but let that go. Just enjoy oh, the show for what I, it is. I could give it just like. But I actually really enjoyed the show. I thought it was pretty spot on. I think the characters are solid. I think they jive pretty much out the gate. And I think they must have brought back a bunch of the writers from the original Frasier. But, you know, I think so many people want it to be the old Frasier with the old characters, and that's not what this is. You know, you got to accept that you have one character in it that you like, and then you that you know, and the rest are all new. It's like when you took Worf from Next Generation and put him into Deep Space Nine, it was a character we all know and loved, and it made that show a heck of a lot better. You know what I mean? So it's just it's it's it is what it is. But I, I yeah, I've seen a lot of people really dissing it, and I, I think they're wrong. So just to kind of put mine and my whole thing in what I'm watching now. Oh yeah, we completely <laughs> left the reservation on that one. I'm sorry, man. Let's include Matt so, in our conversation, Matt. What are you watching right now? <laughs> well, I'm actually yeah. I, I actually watched besides watched two things. First one, uh, I watched the third season of of The Witcher, which is great. It's a shame that Henry Cavill can't isn't going to return as uh, Witcher for reasons. And the second thing I've been watching is I've been rewatching Psych. Oh, Psych is an excellent show. Yeah, yeah. I, I have watched that I've series from end to end twice now. It is one of yeah. the best comedy series ever. But on the flip side of that, I heard that Witcher three was horrible because it completely stops being about him and it starts being about the, the female character in it. They they did the same thing to him that they did in the Mandalorian where they stopped being so much about the Mandalorian and more about Kara Reese. Right. But if you if you read the books, they there are several books that divulge from uh Geralt of Rivia and, and follow Cersei. Cersei Cer- Yeah. Cersei, yeah. Cersei. Siri. Where are Siri, you, Siri? Where are you? <laughs> pardon pardon. Uh was The Witcher a video game or a book series first? It was a book series first, and then it got option to be on okay. the video game. Didn't know that. And I then, thought it was a video game first. Okay. And then from the video game. No, it was like, he was writing novels like back in the 80s, huh. and then it got it got picked up as a video game. So then that's legit. That's the way the books went too. Yeah. Okay, then I accept that then. But I just, I've heard so many people slam it for that, but it gets hard to know whether that's the way it really should be. Or whether that's just people like trying to tie their PC anger to it. So, I guess the last thing we could say is uh, thanks for listening to Middle Age Movie Reviews. I'm Matt. I'm Tim. I'm Joey. Check <laughs> us out on MiddleAgeMovieReviews.com, Facebook, Twitter, and all the socials. Enjoy your movie, everybody, and uh, <laughs> we'll catch you next time. San Diego. <laughs> wow, that was a very specific hate, hate, hate out there. <laughs> I think we've been watching the Anchorman way it, too it's much. Anchorman, too. <laughs> I got a little cut there to do. Um, so check us out. We on... need to have a, like a good byline. That's kind of my point. <laughs> Maybe not go yourself, San Diego. <laughs>
But something... Well... Something close. Hey, thanks for listening. We're giving away a digital code for Apocalypse Now that may or may not be expired. I don't know. Try it out. If you're the first to email us at our show, mamreviewpodcast at gmail.com. That's ma'am, M-A-M, as in Mary, review, singular, podcast at gmail.com. That Apocalypse Now digital code is yours. Good luck. First come, first serve. Snooze you lose.